You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 551 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Monday. It is NCAA Tournament Week. The Hawks are still playing games. They'll be playing tomorrow on Tuesday against the Rockets. And uh, to talk about mostly draft stuff, but some Hawks stuff, uh, the return of the great Tower Jones. What's up, man? What's going on, Brad? Good to be back. Good to, you know, talk talk to the head honcho of Peachtree Hoops. Uh, <laughs> you know, Suedo, my boss, not, but not really. But, uh, yeah, it's good, to, it's good to be back on Lockdown. Yeah, it's been a while, and I, I didn't realize that until you said it just now. It's the first time since uh, you and Kevin and the crew at ATL 129 joined officially at Peachtree Hoops. So, nice little crossover edition. Uh, at some point, I'm going to make Kevin come on, and we'll do a uh, official crossover that we can kind of post on both channels and all that stuff. Try to save them, try to save the bullets on that one for a little while longer. And I, I see him all the time, so uh, you get first dibs to come on this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, but uh, you know. Most of this podcast can be draft stuff, but I do want to take a second and talk about some Hawks at the top. Um, I know not all that much has changed. You know, the guys who were playing well are still playing well. You know, Trey, Trey Young, John Collins, etc. Um, but anything new in your mind, uh, Hawks, Hawks wise? I know uh, you're as dialed in as anybody when it comes to this stuff, and uh, you know we're sort of in the dog days right now of March. But because the Hawks were kind of always in the dog days. Um, Nothing's really changed, and that's probably a good thing. Like they're actually they're still playing hard, they're still playing entertaining basketball, which is something that you really can't say for a lot of teams in the league right now. Yeah, um, I guess something relatively new is you know Jalen Adams play. Uh, you know he he's playing like he belongs on the NBA floor now, and you know he, his jumper is legit, and he's actually you know doing. I I think Lloyd Pierce has kind of helped him out a bit because he's actually. He's gotten a lot of run with John Collins. I think that's uh that's helped him out uh, get him more. You know, just playing with somebody with that level of force going to the rim has really opened up. You know, his off Jalen Adams' offense. So, I think uh, you know Jalen's kind of showing what what he can do as a basketball player. You know, he's still like every every rookie on this team weak defensively, but I, you know, to me, I think he's battling a bit more. Uh, I, I saw him a couple times pressure up. You know, just trying to be a nuisance, and you know, that's that's good enough for now, uh, at least for me. Just you know, sh- showing that he, he he's willing to put in the effort level, considering his talent level on the team. That yeah, you, you got to be that. Like you know, Trey Young's not going to pressure somebody ninety feet up the floor, but you got to do that since you know that's that's going to be your role in this league um, as a backup point guard. So it's good to see him, you know, at least attempt to do that and you know, play with the more force and energy on really both ends of the floor. I agree. You know, I, I'm still a little bit skeptical of Jalen Adams, but I also liked him a lot. Um, even as a draft prospect, I thought it was probably appropriate that he didn't get drafted. But at the same time, I was intrigued when the Hawks signed him. And, you know, his shooting's always been there. He was a career, like, 40% shooter in college on real volume. I think he was the eight. I think he was the A ten player of the year. Like this is a guy with some real pedigree. Um, wasn't like he was a uh, completely off the radar piece, but you know, defensively early on, it was kind of an adventure, which we kind of knew it would be. He's pretty small, um, but as long as he's playing with, as you mentioned, sort of the force there, 
there's a path for him because if you can shoot 40% from three, as I think he probably really can on a real volume and uh, kind of be an effective offensive player, as a backup point guard type, that might end up working if he can hold up, de- if he can hold up, hold up on defense. I'm not sure that he can, but the signs have been better recently, and it's it's definitely making the Hawks look a little bit smarter that they were willing to give him sort of just hand him the reins at the backup point guard spot. Because I thought they were probably going to sign someone when they got rid of Jeremy Lin or when Lin went out. Um, they didn't do that. They just kind of handed it to Adams, which I didn't love that. But at the same time, now that you see more of Adams, it does make a little bit more sense. A, because they had him under contract already with the two-way um, and then converting him from there. But because, you know, I'm not sure there were too many better options available. Like, I'm sure there might have been somebody in the G League that was a better option right away. But Adams is still young and his offensive skill set fits what they want. He can dribble. He can pass. He can shoot. And they love that about him. Yeah, he you know, he fits what Travis Slank uh, is looking for in a, in a point guard and in, in basketball players in general. You know, you you wish he was a bit bigger, so there'd be a, a difference between him and Trey Young. Uh, not even just like lengthwise, just you know, physically, uh, just be a bit, you know, weigh a little bit more, just so that he can hold up in ways that you know you see Trey Young struggle a bit, as we saw against the Celtics when uh, Marcus Smart was putting him in the in the torture chamber. <laughs> that so, was uh, we should we should we should talk about that because Mar- Marcus Smart is in in some ways a. Uh, an outlier because he is a, a freak defensively, like one of the better guys in the entire league. But it was kind of jarring, and the numbers were jarring too, to see what Trey was able to do when guarded by anybody else but Marcus Smart. And then it was like when Boston was like, oh, by the way, here's Marcus Smart. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> and it was super annoying to watch Kevin Herter just allow Kyrie Irving to guard him for the game. And that that I think that's the single most frustrating thing about, about this team at the moment um, where – you know, a team puts their lockdown defender on Trey Young, and Kevin Herter has a mismatch like that. And he doesn't take advantage like that. That's annoying. Like that. That if if he's not going, like he has to, he has to demand the ball, and he has to, you know, go to work against weak, you know, NBA defenders because he's talented. He's talented enough to do that. And when he's being super passive, he's kind of, you know, he's, you know, he's putting way too much pressure on Trey Young to do everything. And you know, I. I'm I, I'm higher. I think I'm, I'm higher on Herder's talent than a, you know a lot of people, which is why I've been a bit disappointed with his play recently, just due to the fact that he 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 goes into these stretches where he he won't touch the basketball, and that's and really that's on him considering the type of offense the Hawks run. It's not like Trey Young's dominating the basketball like like he's Dennis Schroeder or something. Like he'll get you the ball if you if you cut and get open or if you play with force off the ball, like he'll find you and. You know, Herder's kind of been a bit too complacent to just be a spot-up shooter, and he he's a more talented basketball player than that. But again, you know, all these guys are young, they'll grow um, as they're you know as they get two to three, four years into the league. But uh, you know, it, that that Celtics game was just it, from from him. It was like I like he wasn't good in the Magic game either. But to me, the Celtics game where where they weren't guarding him with anybody worth salt. And he just let them get away with it. And like that, like to me, I'm like, that's just flat out not good enough. Uh, you, you're letting your team down when you're not taking taking advantage of mismatches like somebody of Kyrie Irving's caliber of a defender guarding you when you're six seven. Like he, he's got to be better than that. And, you know, he is a better basketball player than that. And, uh, you know, you know, we'll see with him going forward. I, I'm still, like I said, I'm still super high on him, but 
in general with her, you just like to see him play with more, you know, physicality and look for his shot more and not just look for, you know, spot up shots, but really look for a shot as if he's a, you know, a 20 plus point per game score. Cause I think he has that level of talent as a basketball player. Yeah. I think, um, I almost want to use the word confidence, but it's not really confident. It's more like assertiveness. I think he knows what he can do. And you see that when he's got it going and he kind of gets in his bag a little bit and starts creating for himself and other people. When he had the 27 point game, a 17 point quarter, it was like, he's playing with confidence and a little bit of swagger. And I, I think it's more just being assertive. And part of that's just being a rookie. Like he's, he's young and he's been a supporting piece. He was even a supporting piece in college. Like he wasn't, he didn't really have that experience even at the college level of being the guy at Maryland. Um, he was a guy on that team, obviously pretty an important one, but Unlike a lot of guys who get to the NBA, he was not the best player on his college team, and the, at least at least not the go-to player. He's the best prospect, but not necessarily the best player. So, um, I do think that Herder will have an interesting development curve ahead of him because you do see it when he when he's locked in, and the confidence turns on, it's better. But I know you've been critical of his finishing around the rim. I have been too. He just got to play with more force. I mean, it's it seems simple. It probably isn't simple, just because nothing is in the NBA level. But uh, the talent is so good and is so encouraging that it's easy to get a little bit frustrated just because, you know, he could be better and you see him be better at different times. But he's also a rookie and I have more patience with rookies than I do with anybody else because in general, rookies are bad. And I think the Hawks, I think Hawks fans even have been spoiled this year because Young's been quite good on the whole. I think Herter's been better than I expected him to be in year one. And even Spellman, I think, I think before, he, before he got injured, was better than I thought he was going to be as a rookie. So, you know, rookies are in general pretty bad. And we'll talk about the draft class coming up in a second here. But I think seeing so much of Herter has almost spoiled people, including myself, to just be like, all right, we, we know what he can do now. Now do it all the time. And that's the next step for a rookie. Agreed. You know, that consistency is the hardest part of being a good NBA basketball player. That's why, you know, in general, the wings on this team, are frustrating in that, you know, they from night to night, like their their games, you know, they're there's just so they they peak and valley so much from night to night that you just don't know what you're gonna get from Herder or Prince or even Baysmore now. And and Bimbry as well though. You know, Bimbry's kind of been solid recently where you know he's gonna bring it defensively even if he's gonna make some mistakes off the ball. But Outside of that, you know, Bembry always brings the effort level on both ends of the floor. It's just that, you know, he's the most limited of the, you know, of the wings on this team. So, you know, I, if you want to point to like, why, why do the Hawks struggle, blah, blah, all that good stuff. Like it's it, like, to me, it starts with their wing play. It's just not, it's not up to the level of what Trey Young and John Collins are doing on, on offense at the moment. And it's just, you know, you're going to have nights where those guys struggle and, you know, it just puts too much pressure on, you know, the top two guys to really produce and go all out. So, you know, that's something that the Hawks are going to have to continue to draft, like look for, you know, wing talents and hope to find somebody who can be. Yeah, you know, I, I think Herter is is well on the path to being that. I'm just saying in the moment, you know, if we're talking about today, like, hey, what? The Hawk, Trey Young and John Collins are playing so well. Why aren't the Hawks? You know, they're they're winning at like a thirty-five win basketball team now. But you know that you know there are nights where they look like like they they could be a playoff team today, and you know they they give they give a good showing. And then there are other nights where they they can't get stops um, defensively just due to poor communication or 
not playing with the level of physicality they need to on the defensive end. Just, you know, just young team stuff. And, you know, that's something that, that'll, that'll hopefully grow and change with the, as the years go on. To be sure. And I think uh, we'll talk about um, some of the wing talent available in this draft in a moment. But before we get there, a quick read from the good folks at my bookie, because the first week of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting of the year. And it's not even particularly close, frankly. And whether you like to fill out a bracket, pick a national champion, predict a first-round upset, or all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion and RJ lead Duke to the title? Can Virginia overcome its tournament woes? Or can Kentucky make it back to the Final Four? We'll get those answers soon enough. But if you think you already know them, or even if you don't know them, MyBookie is the best place to get in on the action because they have self thinking for everyone from props to futures and good old-fashioned point spreads and totals. MyBookie has been in the business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business as well, and their best part is they pay out fast when you win, like a 48-hour fast, and that's very, very fast in this industry. So bet with the best, kick back, and enjoy March Madness while, you're, while you can watch your picks cash. Deposit today with MyBookie with promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Or 50% sign up bonus and use that promo code one more time. It's locked on NBA. Take advantage of this offer because with, with my bookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. All right, Tyler, we're back. And uh, we can sort of get into a couple of these wing guys that we were talking about. You mean, talking about the fact that the Hawks need wing help um, down the line. Um, this is going to be a Torian Prince free podcast because I know you and I talk about him a lot, so we're going to leave that alone for today. But it sort of goes through the prism of what this draft class is going to be, because you know, look at, looking at the class, most, not all, most of the guys in the top 10 or so are either, th- are either two, threes, or fours. Um, there are some center prospects that I, I know Hawks fans like, um, but in general, I don't have any of them in my top 10. And the only big man, if you want to call him that, in my top 10 is Zion, and Zion's a freak. So... Um, First, do you have any new thoughts on Zion? Because I don't really have anything new. He's easily the number one player in the class, and it's kind of almost not, not even worth talking about. It's like, oh, by the way, if the Hawks get him, if the Hawks get, uh, win the lottery, they'll pick Zion, and if they don't win the lottery, they won't get Zion. So that's kind of all I have on that. Uh, I thought his game against North Carolina was the single most dominant performance I've ever seen from a college basketball player. He was ridiculous uh, <laughs> in my lifetime, considering the talent level that North Carolina was was throwing his way. Um, like I felt like that game was the first time all season he simply couldn't just overpower guys. Like he had to he had to use craft, and he was using craft. Like he was he was given after his initial after his initial force was taken away, he he'd go to secondary or tertiary moves to get to where he wanted to go with the ball, you know, in the post or you know doing some stuff off the ball, you know, getting good positioning for a lob attempt, all that good stuff. Like North Carolina played him well. Like I thought. Like, their game plan was sound. I thought Nasir Little, uh, on a possession-to-possession basis, probably guarded Zion the best of anybody in college basketball, period. And so and to see Zion still dominate like that, like, honestly, I watched that game. I was like, this reminds me so much of what LeBron James used to do to the Hawks. Um, you know, just completely take, like, just completely take over a basketball game on both ends of the floor. And the only difference was that, you know, North Carolina could actually shoot. So, it, it, you know, and honestly, if if Chapel Hill, if uh, they they could have made some of their open three-pointers they were generating with their offense, they probably would have won that game. You know, it was a, it was a one-point game. It could have gone either way depending on who made free throws at certain points. But, you know, that was, that was a fun college basketball game. But, like, on an individual level, I thought Zion was just incredible. Um, like, it – 
it was it was really impressive to watch somebody, especially with the limitations of this Duke basketball team. It can't be stressed enough. If North Cal- if Duke had any caliber of shooter on that team, any, <laughs> like just just somebody who could make an open three pointer, anyway. they would they would win every game by twenty points. It would not be close. But they have to run this junk crap offense where it's just throw crap up, hope Zion gets the offensive rebound, or you know pass the ball around eight different times until. Zion can create a crease for himself against two guys to make a layup in against, you know, three defenders. Cause I mean, that's their offense. Cause Trey Jones can't shoot Cam Reddish. I'm sorry. He can't shoot at all. Like I, like, honestly, I'm the more I watch him, the more I just don't like him as a prospect at all. Like I, I, I find his game. Like he, he's just not very good. Like, I, I don't know how else Let's, to say uh... it. Yeah, let's dig in there because that's he's obviously someone who is definitely going to be mocked to the Hawks. In fact, he was earlier today. Um, at least one time I saw um, Reddish being linked to the Hawks in a mock draft. It makes a lot of sense, but I'm kind of with you that at the moment, I've said this a number of times, and Hawks fans get confused. He's a he's not a good college player. Like he he's not a good college player, flat out. He's been too inefficient. He's shooting like 40% on twos, like 32% on threes. He's just not been very good at the college level. I, I he can't make see, free throws either. Yeah, he's like he's, shooting like 68% or something. Like Yeah, his shooting stroke is like, I don't know if it's broken, but it's not. It looks better than it is going in, to be sure. And I think the theory of Reddish still makes sense. Like defensively, I've actually kind of been impressed with him at times. He's, he's really long. He's got, he's got a seven-foot wingspan. Um, you sort of get it. And offensively, the pedigree is there. But he's just not been able to put it together. I'm not sure if it's a role thing or if he's just not that good. So I, I totally get it. I, I'm I'm not as sold on him now as I was a couple months ago because we just we've just seen two more months of him not being very good. We all kind of thought that it was going to come around eventually, like he was sort of getting adjusted to his new surroundings, and it just hasn't happened for him. There's been little spots here and there when he's had it going, but he's one of the guys missing all the shots for Duke. Um, so I mean. I know we'll talk about other guys here in a second as we get as we as we get going here, but you know, reddish in the five six seven range used to be an attractive thing for the Hawks to be falling into and maybe selecting from. Seems like you might just pass at this point, which I I, I wouldn't blame you. I just you know it's kind of a weird evaluation. A lot and by the way, spoiler alert: almost all of these guys are weird evaluations. There's not a whole lot of safety for me in this kind of tier in terms of talent combined with upside. But uh, is uh, RJ now? Uh, sorry, I don't mean RJ. Is Reddish now a pass for you in the top seven or eight? Uh, he's not a pass. You know, at the end of the day, he still has the physical tools, and you know, the shot comes around. Then you know he he can be a good you know two way basketball player in this league. You know, I compared him to Paul George. Uh, he even has a lot of Paul George's deficiencies. The problem is that. I mean, if the shot doesn't come, he's just a flat-out unplayable basketball player. Uh, I also think people because, people 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 are going to hear Paul George and think like present-day Paul George. I think you mean like earlier Paul I'm, George, yeah, not, I'm, MVP, I'm not, about, not MVP candidate Paul George. <laughs> I'm talking about the Paul George who couldn't dribble, yeah, uh, and it couldn't really like, shoot early either. By the way, yeah, he, he I mean he was still a great defender uh, yes. even back then, but like his offensive game, you know, I mean it was. It was be- let, let me be clear here. It was a lot better than what Cam Reddish is going out there, uh, you know, at the same time. But, you know, he, Cam Reddish and Paul George have s- similar physical makeups, and they're both not as athletic as you think they are. 
Um, so really, it's going to depend on Camara's developing his skill level. And to me, to me, really, the problem is that, you know, he he continues to get minutes that he just flat out doesn't deserve. Um, like if he went to a if he played like if he played on North Carolina, if he went to North Carolina instead of Duke, like he wouldn't he he would play less than Nazir Little. Uh, like, so he, wouldn't he's be not, playing more. Like he wouldn't he wouldn't be getting thirty minutes a night in North Carolina. There's just no way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd be he'd be playing a lot less. Uh, like he'd be playing. I, I mean, he'd be playing like Nazir Little barely cracks. 18 minutes a night. Right. He'd be playing less than Nazir Little is. Like he'd be he'd be the wing after Nazir Little. Uh, he he's just like Duke's just not a very deep team. They need bodies, and you know he he's still very good defensively. But you know you you try to find the positives of his offensive game, you can't find them. Like he 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 can't finish around the rim. He can't dribble. You know his passing is. Yeah, it's nothing like RJ Bear is a much better passer. That's why that's like people get frustrated. RJ Bear has the ball in his hands all the time. Well, I mean, RJ Bear is the team's best point guard because Trey Jones, Trey Jones can't shoot. Like, I, like I know I, I'm ranting on Duke for a bit because you know I watch him the most, but um, you know with Jay Billis is is talking up Trey Jones so much how great he is as a basketball player. I'm watching. I'm watching the same guy. I'm like, he can't shoot. Like at he, all, he really can't shoot. Like it, it's a problem, and, and I, I like Trey Jones a like, lot. He, can't, he really can't he, shoot. I mean, he's he's very good. Fin- like he's got craft finishing around the rim. You know, he's like good at everything he else. He's good at everything else. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He just can't shoot. He, he's he's short and he can't shoot. And it's like I I don't know what place he has in this league if he's not a good NBA three point shooter. And you know that's you know that's Trey Jones's uh scouting profile for me, where it's like. You know, you can like the basketball player. Like at the end of the day, he does play with, you know, he does play with a lot of effort and physicality on defense. That's that's fun to watch. But, you know, at the next level, like that's not going to matter. Like it, he's just too small to really have an impact on that end of the floor, um, the way that he'd need to have if he's such a non-shooter. Not to say he can't get there, but sure. you know, Trey Jones can't shoot, and then with Cam Reddish not being able to, like he can't do anything with the ball in his hands. It's too easy to rip him. He's he has he has no real moves, so it's really easy to draw a charge against him because he he just doesn't have much craft to his game at the moment. So at the same time, like you know, five to seven, yeah, sure, I draft him just due to the fact that you know, God draft somebody and he does have the physical profile <laughs> of a you know of a good basketball player, and it's just like to me, I see a lot of flaw, like I see a lot of flaws in his game, and then I see a lot of bad habits offensively like he has he takes bad shots he doesn't like he doesn't read the flow of the game um he he has a lot of bad habits that are being that coach k is like you know allowing him to do whereas if you compare it to somebody like nasir little who has to you know he has to fight for every minute he can get because for better or worse he went to a basketball a good basketball team like he went to a team that didn't need him and so, like, you know, with how well Cam Johnson plays, like he's not taking Cam Johnson's minutes. Um, Williams is a great defender, and he can make an open three-pointer, and Nazir Little can't make an open three-pointer. And at the end of the day, that's why he – like, if you want to know why doesn't Nazir Little play more, he can't make open three-pointers. I like his shot. I, I think it's fine. And overall, I like the pro- – I, I really do 
I, I do enjoy the, the steps he's made to his game. Uh, you know, he's made some strides. He's not take like, he's super talented, but it's just not like the skill level is just not there yet for him. And, you know, North Carolina doesn't need him. He's more of a luxury piece than somebody they actually need on the floor, though. You know, I thought against Duke, I thought he played, you know, some of his best basketball on both ends of the floor. Uh, really like his ability to get to the rim. He can't finish, which is, you know, it's so strange. He gets the great, he gets the great positions uh, around the rim. He just can't, you know, finish these layup attempts, which, you know, that could be a strength issue, even though he is pretty bulky. Um, you know, there's always some core strength that these young guys can get stronger at that maybe help them out there. And there probably is some confidence issues as well, where, you know, if he makes a mistake, he's going to be yanked out the game. But I, like to me, I feel like for Nasir Little's development as an NBA basketball talent, like I feel like him not playing like him having to fight for every minute he earns is a much better like it's a much better development process than what uh, Cam Reddish is doing, which is continuing to make bad decisions with the ball in his hands, continue to take bad, thirsty jumpers that he's not <laughs> – I mean, he's just not – he's not a good enough shooter to be taking some of the sh- type of shots that he's taking. Like, it's just – like, that's just the reality of his game. Like, it looks good coming out of his hand, but, you know, at some point the ball just doesn't go in. And and when you're not making your free throws either, it's like – well, you're not as good as a shooter as you think you are. So, that's for sure. Like, and then if we want to get into RJ Barrett, the guy who I've been, like, I've been on the RJ Barrett uh, bandwagon for let's uh, most let's of hold college basketball. Hold there for one second, just because um, Barrett is interesting in the conversation. Before we get to that, and that we're gonna go to Barrett in a second. That you, you mentioned Reddish and Little. Um, those guys are similar in your mind in terms of their overall standing right now. I'm getting that feeling from you. Are they in, they're in the same tier? Would you say reddish and little? I'm going to be I'm going to be honest. Like I would take Nasir Little. I know you would. Number get two feeling. overall in this draft. Number two overall over, over anybody else, just due to the raw upside of talent that he has compared to the rest of these guys. You know, maybe I trade down. Uh, dude, John ja Morant is the clear number two. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say I, w- I would I think, definitely advertise. I think that's uh, not. I think that's not close. But um, you know, for for the Hawks draft board purposes, where there's not going to be any point guards on there because they don't need a point guard. Spoiler. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I like Nasir Little. I just like I like his talent. Like, I mean, he made a play where he just straight blew by Cambridge like he wasn't there, and he got he ended up getting fouled, but like. He should have finished the and one like it, like he he can he has the quickness and the the strength and the athleticism to get to the rim and you know he can't finish through contact right now but you can I feel like you can project that more going forward than what I see from Cam Reddish and you know we we talk about R J Barrett why I'm super I'm super out on him now like it's just like it. I think I think really these games without Zion Wentz has really opened my eyes to just how really just how limited RJ Barrett is as a basketball player um overall. And so, you know, if it's between those three guys and I want to like like you see I, I haven't said Jared Culver's name or DeAndre Hunter. I well, wanna I was like gonna those say guys like more. I wanna yeah. like like I, I'm with you, Brad. I wanna like him more. 
they don't they don't have the athleticism to me. I, I, I Culver, I guess it, honestly, it'll it's going to come down to what how tall Culver actually is, and you know what what his wingspan is. Like that that might be it. Like it, it might just be a pure measurement based decision with Culver because I want to love Culver, but you know his shots a bit wonky. And he's not really that athletic, but he's really good. Like he's good right now. And he's also got he's got, you know, age on his side where Hunter, you know, De- DeAndre Hunter, like I, I feel like I watch him, I'm like, I feel like Nazir Little could get to that level before he's twenty one. Like he can get to as good as DeAndre Hunter is right now, like by his age twenty season. And to me, it's like can Hunter? Can DeAndre Hunter get? Be, can DeAndre Hunter be a better basketball player than he, what he is currently? Like I, I don't see, like I just don't see the upside with Hunter, um, just due to his limitations as a basketball player, even his limitations as a jump shooter. You know, I, I do agree with that in general. By the way, like as a pro Hunter guy, which you know, and he is older, which is something we have to say. Um, I, I do agree with Hunter not having a ton of upside, and I understand not liking that um in fact like i think in a normal a more normal draft like for instance if this was last year's draft i would not have hunter in my top five top seven like i do now um but i i think there's so much uncertainty that there is more value in the safety that i think he has defensively i'm with you a little bit on his offense and i do think there is some downside to his offense not being exciting or anything like that um so you know upside wise if you are if, if you are, not just you, but if anybody um, is advocating for wanting upside out of these Hawks picks, out of one of them especially, if they get both picks, I think it makes even more sense to kind of go with a with a flyer on one and a little bit more safety on the other one. And if you do that, Hunter might be a good safety pick. Um, with that said, I'm okay with people always that want upside over floor. Um, I, I, I know I incorporate floor and more into my evaluation. That's just kind of how I am as a, quote, draft analyst, end quote. Um, but I, I understand the pushback against that. So, you know, I'm not surprised about Hunter not being that exciting. I do think Culver does have upside. Not as much as because of the athletic things that you're saying. Like, he's not he's not the athlete that Nas Little is. He's not. I do think there is upside with him, though, because he, I think out of all of these guys, maybe with the exception of Barrett, um, Culver is the one guy who can go get their own shot. Um, I think I think Culver could be a twenty point scorer in the NBA, and that's the he's the only guy on this list that we've talked about so far that I would say that about, except for Barrett. And Barrett has another set of flaws altogether. But uh, I think Culver is the only guy on this list that we've talked about you know, these these six seven guys that I think I might project to be a twenty point scorer in the NBA. Like that, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I do at least see the path to that. Whereas with Little and Reddish, and Hunter, I don't really see that. I, I do agree that Little probably has the most upside, which is weird to say, because I think he's the guy who's fallen the most in the consensus. Um, but he's just the and best I think athlete. that's And I think that's wild. I think that's, like, it, it's purely He's the best athlete, though. He's he just, out of those three guys, he's the best athlete. Like, Little flat out just doesn't get minutes because he plays on a better basketball. Like, he, he, has, he plays on a better collection of talent than what Duke does. Like, that's just... Like that, and it's wild that you know, not see your little went from a uh, consistent top five to like their mock drafts where he's outside the top ten. I think that's 
I think that's absurd considering the top, the raw talent level of this draft. And to me, here's my rationale where, where I'm like, Hawks should just go all upside. Is they they hit on Trey Young like that is a that is a cash money in the bank uh, selection where and and they, and they got an extra pick from it like they hit on John Collins and they hit on Kevin Herter like they they're playing with house money now in the draft and to me I'm like why I go like you have you you have multiple drafts where you can go safe uh while, but while while these guys are on the rookie scale contract why don't you go for another why don't you try to hit on another superstar talent. And no, me, and I, I actually agree with that. Um, I, I think, especially um, if they have two picks, I totally agree with that. Like, you have to take a swing at some point. Um, and just for reference, I, I've seen the same things you have with, with Little and the mocks. I don't think that that's necessarily, um, at least in the one I'm thinking about, which is Sam Vecini over at The Athletic, who's one of my favorite guys. He had him at 17, and I, you know, I've heard the same things that Sam has to an extent. That I, I'm not sure P, I, I'm not sure that's him. I think that's people in the industry telling him, like people in front offices who are sort of out on little to an extent, which I don't really understand, but I've heard a little bit of that as well. I'm not as plugged in as Sam is. But it also baffles me because I think part of it is what you're saying, that he's not playing a ton. But, you know, he's not playing because he's not the best player. And it's not a situation where we've never seen someone be in his kind of role and go in the top seven. Like that happens, it's happened multiple times including at the same university uh, which i don't want to go down that path but um marvin williams was the best basketball player on that team i don't want to have this discussion I, no like, I'm, I'm with you 100 on this <laughs> so we'll, we'll move on from there um but no I, I'm, I'm just saying like it's not a i don't think it's a knock on little that he's not playing more i do think that it's a knock on little that he hasn't been that good when he's played but he's also been not i think that's kind of overrated i think he's been better than people think he's been he's not been incredible when he's played but I think he's not been this like disaster. And there's like this, I'm not sure, I know Sam didn't write this, but, but I think even Hawks fans that I've interacted with, I think people think that Little is just like off the map now. I, I don't really see that. I still think that not that much has changed for me. I was not as high on Little as you were the whole way, but he's not fallen for me in the way that he has for some people. I still have him as like a top eight guy. And that's, it's closer to eight than I think it is to two where you have him or two or three where you have him. But at the same time, like, it's all kind of the same tier once you get past Zion. And for me, I, I, I would have Moran at two pretty comfortably. But from three to like nine, they're in the same tier, uh, at least tier-ish for me. So it's all kind of relative and personal preference. Like, and at the end of the day, it comes down to personal preference. And I totally get why you want upside. And if you want upside, Little is the best athlete of all these guys. He's a better athlete than Culver. He's a better athlete than, than Hunter. He's a better athlete than Reddish. He's a better athlete than Barrett, honestly, because Barrett's not a great athlete either. So if you just want that pure burst, he's not the only one that has it, but he, out of these guys, I think has, I think he's the best athlete, which helps. And, and to me, honestly, I, I look at it this way. To me, I see Nazir Little as a clean slate, uh, where you know, I, 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 you know, I tweet this the other day, where like if you're confident in your, you know, development team, like you can mold him into the basketball player that you want him to be. Whereas R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, just both of them really, they have really bad exploitable flaws in their game. Like they, like they, they make bad decisions on offense. And like Cam Reddish flat out just isn't good at all at anything on offense. Uh, <laughs> compare, like if you compare him to Nazir Little, like I'm like, why? Is, I, 
I don't understand why the consistency is that you know Cam Reddish is clearly clearly the better prospect than Nazir Little. Do you want to know I my theory Cam, on this? When I watch Cam Reddish play, I'm like, Nazir Little can at least make a dunk. Cam Reddish, <laughs> like anytime he's around the rim and somebody is there, it's it's gonna be it's he's gonna jank it off the rim like automatic. It doesn't matter how open he is. Um, do, do you want to know my I'm theory like, about this? I, I, I have to share my theory on this. It's uh, especially Little versus Reddish. Uh, part of it is that Reddish is playing more, but the my theory and my conspiracy theory, if you want to have that, is that if those guys switch places this season, I am very confident that no one would have Nas Little at number 17 in the mock draft. Absolutely. And that's, that, that's, and that's not a shot at Sam at all. I love Sam. But it's a situation where... I think Reddish is almost being covered up by the fact that he's on Duke. And it's like the, the narrative has been, they have these three guys all year. And obviously Zion separated himself, but Reddish has done nothing to separate himself from little. Like it, I think people had Reddish up there, but also people have almost forgotten that, you know, Nas Little was like a frequent top six guy in mock drafts before the season started. This is not some guy who was like maybe a French top 10 prospect. He was frequently in that four, five, six range in October and November. That's not like us making that up. So I don't really see the drop off there because if you're going to drop him 10 spots or five spots and Reddish stays put, I don't really understand the rationale behind that. I think Reddish defensively, like you get it, but I just don't see the difference between the two from this year. And like, here's the other thing: if he comes back next, if if Nazi or Little comes back next season, he's going to be a top five guy. Like I, like I. Well, I, you would assume I that he'll come back because you know uh, Cam Johnson's 38 years old, and he'll be gone. Yeah. And you'll have uh, you'll have Nas be the full time hybrid three four guy, and yeah, I think he'd come back and average 20 a game, and it would and, and there would be not an issue at all. He shouldn't and, do that. And then, and he shouldn't do that. And then also, I don't think he'll be a better basketball player. Like I think he'll be about the same basketball player. They'll just force it to him, and he'll be oh, more. It's con- efficient. I mean, like, the, the whole the, the whole it's, come it's back and improve basketball. your game thing is vastly overrated, <laughs> in yeah. general. Like I don't, Most I don't think his game's NBA. gonna. I don't think his game's gonna improve that much. And so to me, I'm like, man, Hawks can get Nazi or Little like somewhere between you know five and you know five and nine, where they're gonna, probably going to be drafting with possibly two draft picks, depending how. How the lottery works, because again, guys, like this lottery is going to be wonky. Uh, I post uh, I post the numbers all the time. People get sick of it, but I think just because every time I do something about lottery odds, I get five people that are like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Here they are again. Here are the odds." I'm telling you, it's. I know this is weird. I know it's the first year, so people don't understand it yet. But uh, wonky is a good word for it because there's going to be some weird Cause, stuff. Because it's it's not like not only are the the draft odds flattened, but Instead of three, like instead of three ping pong balls getting selected and then the draft lottery um, falling into the, a certain order, it's going to be four. So there, like, it, it just increases the odds that something crazy, like multiple crazy things, are going to happen. Like, it, it, I don't know. It's it's going to be it's going to be a, uh, an odd night draft lottery. I'm probably going to be off Twitter, off off the map until it's over just to look it up because I don't want to deal <laughs> like I don't want to deal with the stress because like you I'll know, send you updates get that first pick, if the don't I mean I'm not gonna have my phone you can do that I'm not gonna have my phone on me <laughs> until until I know the lottery is over and then I'm gonna look at it because like the, the Mavs win the lottery which you know is a they got about as good odds of doing it as the Hawks do Ooh. um like it's my, gonna be my it's mentions gonna be will never recover 
If Dallas wins the lottery, my mentions will never recover. People will want Travis Schlenk fired because he didn't because he had he, he allowed the pick to be protected. It's going to be all kinds of just absolute nonsense. And I'm not prepared for it. I'll tell you that right now. And like, side note, like the, honestly, the Trey Young Luka Doncic stuff has really soured me on all basketball conversations on the internet. Like, oh, it's I just, to- I totally agree with you. I, it is, it is it's insufferable. I can't deal with it. Like I, I used to, I used to frequent NBA Reddit, Hawks Reddit, all that good stuff. Now I'm like, I can't deal with this. Like it's just, like those those first those first like couple of months with Trey Young and just the, just the pounding he got. I'm like, and now it's not reversed, but now, you know, now it's like, you know, you point out how well Trey Young's playing. Now you know they got to point out well, you know, Trey Young's the worst defensive player in the NBA. Like oh 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 damn. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know the undersized point guard was supposed to be, uh, you know, good defensively. Um, I thought we all knew he was going to be pretty bad. Like, who cares that he's the worst defender as a twenty-year-old? Like, it'll matter when he's twenty-five. Right now, who cares? Like, I mean, it. It's whatever. Like that. That discussion. It, it's just irritating. Like, you point out Trey Young's strength, they come back with something else, and then you get into an argument about value and pick protection all that good stuff so it, it's just not <laughs> worth it like it's just like no it is absolutely not worth it. playing great Luka Doncic is playing great like who cares both, um, both teams but, by the way just as, as a backstory here just to so I know this is not gonna do anything to, to dampen down any of the fervor I can tell you with 100% certainty that both franchises are happy and that's okay but you're allowed both teams are, are allowed to be happy with what happened in this class nope, Dallas is thrilled we live in a we live in a binary society. Oh, I know. One it's team not, has it's... to win. The other team has to lose. That's and how they did not. That is how you generate content well, in today's that's... world. Where I wish, like, <laughs> I wish I was like that more. I think uh, I would do better in terms of uh, gaining notoriety if I just fired more takes and more uh, more staunch opinions. I liked, uh, you know, nuance is dead, as they say. And I probably be, I would definitely have a a more passionate local following if I just went in and said that Trey Young was going to be the next, you know, Isaiah Thomas or something. People would really be excited about that, or uh, and whatever like, else. But you know, and, you know, I've said this a couple times on Twitter where I'm like, you know, I don't think the Suns and the Kings are mad that they drafted who they drafted. Like I, I think they're no, happy too. Like I think well. every team that drafted in the top five is happy with who they got. Like I, I, I think the guy they got fits what they wanted on their roster. Um, or what they want it to be as a franchise going forward. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's like, I'm like, man, y'all are cutting some hairs. Like, we cutting hairs now saying who's better than, like, just because Luka Doncic has been, you know, better than all the other rookies throughout the majority of the season doesn't mean he's going to be, you know, doesn't mean he's a, like, you know, I, I feel like, like, I mean, Here's the thing. Like, I'm watching Zion Williamson. I'm like, that's a no-doubt generational talent. Giannis Antetokounmpo is a no-doubt generational talent. Stop throwing that that term for other guys who might end up just being NBA superstars. You know, I, I think that I think there's a there is a real difference. That's why I'm super high on Zion because I'm like, you watch him, you see how he just dominates. Like, he is such a great defender. You know, getting back on Zion for for a bit, like he does the little things. What college prospect in the last twenty years has ever done the little things outside of Anthony Davis? Like I don't remember. I don't remember it from like you know a no a no doubt one and dunner does the little things on defense to help this team win. 
That's what Zion does. Yeah. Like he's that like he's he's Draymond Green defensively. And then on offense, he's unguardable. Like it's it's insane watching him play where it's like I get like if I see a limp, like if I see even a limp from them, I'm pissed that Coach K didn't take him out. You know? Like I was I was mad that K was running 40 minutes a night, you know, trying to win the tournament that did doesn't matter. Win the tournament that doesn't matter. Like newsflash conference championships don't matter. Conference play don't matter. All that matters is you make it to the tournament and have a at least a top three seed. Uh, from there, you know, you know, as long as you win your, it, then it comes a random luck in the in the tournament. Because like that, that's all that all college basketball is is a run up to the tournament. Like these individual games don't matter. Why is Zion playing forty minutes a night for this meaningless ACC conference title championship that Duke won? That they're gonna hang on their banner that nobody's gonna care about if they don't win the if they don't win the uh, tournament this season. Like I'm, like it's just whatever. That that's 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 it for Zion. We, we probably need to get on RJ Barrett for a second. While I'm super down on him, but you know it's been yeah a, we can we can go there. It has it was and that was it's necessary. It's what we have is when you and I talk about this kind of stuff, and I think you're you're right about all of that. And I do think uh, you know. Part of it is, uh, and I'm going to leave this here, I promise. Uh, part of it is that we've allowed, we, I say we as in me and you, but not, not me and you, but the collective NBA community has put this um, incredible focus on rookie of the year the last like two or three years. Like I think it's maybe, maybe even uh, peaked with Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell. Like whatever it was, um, that is the problem with some of this stuff is that it becomes this like very binary. Binary is a good word that you used earlier. Um, pitting between two guys like, Luca's gonna win the rookie of the year. He probably should. In terms of he he has he has the best resume for the full season. That doesn't mean all that much. <laughs> it just means that he was the best rookie for the full season. Um, that doesn't mean anything about their player. Like look, go back go back and look at some of some of, some of the guys who won rookie of the year. It doesn't mean that. I mean Luca is a good basketball player, but you know you don't have to be a quote generational talent to use your phrase there to be rookie of the year. <laughs> Michael Carter Williams says hello by the way. Um, there's all kinds of guys that have done that. So that's part of the problem, I think. It's just the uh, look at me, the rookie of the year watch stuff it really drives me crazy. Um, but anyway. I mean, it's it just came to a head with Luca, just because a lot of like, I mean, I thought like, I remember when we were on the pod, I was talking about I had Luca number one all season, even up to the draft. Um, I was at, the, but I had Trey too and I was okay with what the Hawks did just due to you know, due to how they saw how they wanted the team to be ran compared to how like if if they would have drafted Luca, you know, there was a high probability that Dennis Schroeder would have been on this team. And like to me, I was like, hey, I'll take that trade off any day of the week. Give me Trey Young over de- having to watch Dennis Schroeder pound that rock and find you know, and just be bad at basketball. Like get, give me Trey Young. Give me a Hawks team with no Dennis Schroeder over a Dennis Schroeder Luca Doncic any day of the week like that 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 would, maybe that, would, that ultimately that that changed my opinion of how everything went on draft night but you know just so many people were 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 just outraged that Luca didn't go one or that Luke that the Kings passed on him for god forbid a team pass on Luka Doncic for Marvin Bagley only one of the most hyped up prospects you know to to ever come like Marvin Bagley was super hyped up he went to Duke. Eric, we saw his defense, but we saw his talent level. And he was like, he's so blah, 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 all that good stuff. And, you know, you watch Marvin Bagley now, he's a good basketball player. Like, he, he, 
he does what you thought he was going to do. Like he he's a yep. good rim runner. He he's a force on the glass. Um, he's better defensively than what we all thought he is, and he he's helping a, a solid like the Kings are a solid basketball team, and he's been a positive contributor. Um, I, I do think like I do think to your point like you know Phoenix. If it was me, if it was me drafting and I was in charge of Phoenix and Sacramento, yes, I would rather have Doncic than either one of those guys. But that doesn't mean that it's like some unmitigated disaster for them. They have guys who can play. Um, so it's not like we don't know. A, it's their first year. And especially I think Aiton um, has been quite good and Bagley has been coming around. So, you know, it, it'd be different if one of these guys was like a pretty clear miss. Like if, if Mo Bamba had gone number two overall. Um, that would be a problem. Oh, Mo Bamba does not look oh, very good. Mo Bamba. Do you, Brad, do you remember when the uproar over not, Hawks not drafting Mo? Like, oh, I remember when you and I, you and I on this podcast. Then you know we we didn't like bury Mo Bamba, but we we definitely came out of the end of the tunnel with not being pro Mo Bamba and got some heat. And like, I think by the end. You know, there are guys on my Peachtree Hoop staff that had Mobama number one on their boards. They got sucked was, in. Brad, it was all workout hype. Oh, I, I know. I mean, I, I said this before, before. on uh, it, it became was, a famous thing in the upper in the Uproxx uh, Dime Magazine Slack chat about how much money Mo Bamba's agent was worth because that guy put on a heroic performance for like three months. He was just like everywhere in Mo Bamba. It was beautifully crafted. And I'm not, I'm not trying to kill Mo Bamba because he's been hurt, and it, you know it's one of those things where he still could be okay. But just the hype machine went from zero to 100 on Mo Bamba in a hurry. And it's an example of a situation where you got to trust the numbers and the tape, and you know, it's not I mean, all about I mean, you can watch workouts. the game. Like, yeah. the games were right there. I, I, I was constantly telling people, I was like, guys, in high school, he was just okay, right? And then he got to college, and he was just okay. He's not going to magically turn into this superstar. Like, he can get there. He clearly has talent. Like, I'm I'm not going to, you know, poo-poo on his future as an NBA basketball player, but it's, you know, it, it, the NBA is a tough league. And, you know, Bamba just hadn't shown that level of dominance to suggest he should go over the guys that people were saying, claiming that, he should go over, but again, we're still not going to get to RJ Barrett. Apparently, we're, no, we we're are. We're going we're to we're, we're go there right now. That's, that's my fault for allowing the detour. I have I have two questions for you after RJ. So let's go to RJ right now. Um, RJ came in just for some backstory. RJ was number one player in this class coming in, projected number one pick before the season started. Um, consensus, maybe not full consensus, but mostly number one for everyone coming into the year, and he he's won everywhere. He was a highly touted guy, um, looked good, look good over the summer. That's definitely flipped. Obviously, Zion's number one for basically everyone now, but you're, you're lower on RJ. I, I think I'm trending towards you on this one, but uh, where are you with him now? Because the numbers look okay. He's been really productive, but it's also been at the expense of efficiency at times, and uh, he's an interesting player because you don't see the athletic burst that you would probably need to see for someone of his ilk. And I think that's that's the biggest, like, I think, you know, watching him without Zion um, and then really watching him against North Carolina team that, again, had NBA size and athleticism. He couldn't just bowl guys over like he had nothing. Like you watch R.J. Barry, I'm, he couldn't get efficient looks on offense, period. Like he couldn't couldn't get to the rim. Um, and, you know, he just looked bad. And then, you know, 
defensively, you, you know, he's not that – he's okay, but he's not special defensively. And then you really watch him play, I'm like – like, to me, he's just a useless monster. Because of Duke's um, – because Duke just doesn't have the dribbling talent or the shooting talent. Like, R.J. Barrett, for better or worse, is the best shooter on that team. Uh, and he's not a good shooter. But he's he's better than Trey Jones and Cam Reddish, uh, and but you know he 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 just has a lot of bad habits offensively, and then it, really those bad habits stem from the fact he's just not talented enough to demand this level of usage. Like like to me, Duke would probably be a better basketball team let Zion run the offense, but you know that's not going to happen because you know they they got to feature everybody on the team. But I'm just. Like, he's just not that athletic, not as athletic as he needs to be on the style, the style that he plays. And, like, to me, I'm just, like, for the Hawks, I'm just out on, on him, period. Not even due to his talent. Like, he's still super talented. But, like, I see what you see now, Brad, where it's like. If he, the fit. Like, it, it just wouldn't work here in Atlanta. Like. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of you sold me on it midseason, and I think I went with you a little bit. But I, I, at the end of the day, <laughs> Especially right now on this team, Trey Young is the engine of the offense, and they do need a secondary ball handler and some secondary creation stuff, no question about it. But I think part of it is that RJ thinks he's the number one option, and I think it's good to be confident, but at the same time, I don't see him being a number one option on a good NBA team. I just don't see that as a likely outcome. I don't need this. So. Unless he can do that, I mean, if you're going to play that way, you got to be good enough to do it. And he's not even been that efficient in college with Zion on the floor with him. Like you would think that if you're playing with a gener- literally a generational talent, Zion's having a season that is like indescribably good. And RJ's counting exactly. over there, but it's not it's not with the efficiency that you would think it would be with as a number two option. Because I know he has the ball in his hands more than Zion does, and he he's the guy who's I guess tasked with with the creation. But you would think, man, that you would be super efficient if you had the attention being drawn away from you in the way that he has at times this year, and it just hasn't been there because he, he can't get himself open. I mean, I you know, I, I like RJ's competitiveness because, to his credit, he's a guy that's won everywhere. Even, like, he was leading Canadian youth teams like over the like jam-packed American teams as the best player in his class. And when you're younger, you can kind of do that. But when everybody's when everybody's athletic and everybody's as as uh, as I, I, I'm, as big as you, as physical as you, it becomes tough. And like there are games when he looks great, but if he's got someone on him that's as good as he is and as athletic as he is, I'm not sure he has the arsenal, especially if he's not going to be a great shooter. And I don't think that's going to be happening either. So, I mean, he's going to be a guy in the league that I'm sure puts up numbers. I just don't see it happening in terms of just making the leap that he'd have to make. That's I, I, I do see it. I mean, I understand why people have him in the top in the top three or even like a consensus number two. Like, it wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't kill a team for taking him number two overall. I really wouldn't. But I don't see how that works on a contending level. And with the Hawks, you don't need it. You don't need the guy to tick up all that usage. You have that guy already. Like, I, you know. Yeah, and I was I was arguing for R.J. Barrett because when Trey Young was really struggling, like everything was on Trey. Like when I was like. Trey has to make every decision every time down the floor. Nobody else can make a, nobody else can make the right read on offense. Nobody else can uh, get guys into the right position. Nobody else can, you know, dribble into the paint without, you know, coughing the ball up. 
like they were paid to do so. Um, but, you know, the thing is, and, you know, Trey was struggling in that role being that primary creator. The thing is, now Trey's not struggling. Trey's been great. Uh, no. You know, he's been, like, there's no other way to say it. Like, you look at his, you look at every statistic, offensive uh, statistic that, that you want to, Trey's just been a great basketball player. He's even cut cut down on turnovers recently, and the Hawks have played better. Like, they, they've just looked like a good, you know, they, they look like, not one of the worst basketball teams in the NBA. Instead, they just look like a Middle Eastern Conference team. Like, to me, like, to me, I watch them, I'm like, you know, the Heat aren't that much better than them. You know, the Heat oh, have no, I mean, the current, the current Hawks, when they have it going, especially when they're playing well, they do play at a level of those that, you know, Miami, Brooklyn, Detroit, Detroit, Charlotte, like that group. Yeah. The Hawks aren't, I mean, because of their they lack can, of consistency. They can never beat Orlando, though. They can no, never they beat can't. Orlando. No, it's, it's kind of hilarious. Uh, Nikola uh, Vucevic has never missed a hook shot against no, the Hawks he's, in his He's career. been dominating he the Hawks. He, I think he had 17 in the first quarter on Sunday, which was... Uh, he annoying. had 17 on 15 shots, and it was like, well, whatever. Like It doesn't matter yeah, because... I mean, <laughs> but the whole, they the whole can't thing, really stop him. <laughs> no, the whole thing with the Hawks, though, like... Part of that is just them. They're just so young that they're inconsistent, and they'll lay an egg every, every once in a while. So that's that's why they're not as good as those teams are in a vacuum. Plus, you have the early stretch with Collins not being there. But once Collins has been back, they're on like a thirty-two win pace or something like that. That's that's encouraging for a team as young as they are, and with some of the holes that they still have. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't. I just don't think that Barrett would be the guy to fill those holes. Like he would help exactly. them. I think he'd help them. But you know. <laughs> It's it's weird because they're you know I think offensively in this class the guy that you know aside from Zion the guy that you would want I think for this Hawks team is probably Culver just offense offense only but it's he's still more of a secondary guy like there's no one in this class that I am in love with if I am a Hawks fan outside of Zion to use to bring sort of bring this, bring this thing full circle to use a top six pick on there are guys that you have to take because they're there and you have to make the picks. But there's not a single guy in this class that I would be just overjoyed by at number four overall. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you have to choose somebody. I mean, I think the Hawks might explore trading down because in this in this class, I think you kind of want to be in that eight nine range almost because that way you can kind of just take who's there. But if you were land at, I mean, one of my questions was was going to be what happens if the Hawks land at two three four in this class, but really like two three. I know you were big on Nas Little, but you kind of have to try to move down, I think, if you're the Hawks, because there's just no one that I'm in love with there. And that, that won't be popular at all, because I'm sure every fan has their guy that they fall in love, in love with. And they're guys that I prefer more than others. I'm definitely higher on Culver and Hunter than everybody else. Maybe not everybody else, but Hunter, I think I'm higher than almost everybody. Culver, I'm kind of in, kind of in, in the consensus mold now. I think he's almost like a top five, six pick for most people now. But still, there isn't anyone that I'm just overjoyed by, especially when you can't take Morant. Morant would be my guy if I was a non-Hawks fan, but if you're a Hawks guy, you can't take Morant, so you got to just pick somebody. I mean, and at the end of the day, it won't be that satisfying. It might work, but on the night of, I won't be coming on here, I don't think, if they just stay put and make a pick and it's not Zion, I won't be coming in on, on this podcast and saying that it's an A-plus with anybody that I take. It's just That's just the reality of it. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. And and let me just let me just add this for a second with RJ. Um talking about the Hawks exclusively. 
RJ Barrett's going to come into the Atlanta Hawks and he's going to believe himself to be the best basketball player on that team. Yep. <laughs> he and sure is. The reality is he's probably not better than Kevin Herter. Like, Whew. I love that. Like, I love that. That's I spicy. Think, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure you're wrong. Is it, is it really spicy? spicy? RJ Barrett's not as good. Like Kevin Herter can, can shoot. Like at the end of the day, all, all like, I wish Herter played with all this blah, blah, blah. Herter can shoot, man. RJ Barrett can't. And Kevin Herter understands his role on the team. Like RJ Barrett's going to take shots away from better basketball play, players. Like, like he's going to think he he's better than John Collins. And, the thing is, like, John Collins is not somebody you got to give the ball to. Like, John Collins works himself to get open. You have to make that read. Are you willing to do that? Like, are you willing to sacrifice? You know, it's not really even sacrifice. Are you really willing to make the right play as the ball handler to get John Collins' ball when he's working for position? Or are you going to jack up crap floaters like you do it, like you did at Duke, like you did all through high school where you could just physically dominate who you're guarding? You know what I'm saying? So, like, to me, I'm like, it's less about R.J. Barrett's talent level, where I, I still think he, he has a high talent level. I just think on this Hawks team in particular, uh, how willing is he going to be to accept a reduced role? Like, is he is he willing to be a 13-point-per-game scorer like Torian? Like, you know, not – like Torian Prince has done, you know, relatively recently, these last couple of games aside, where Torian has been com- relatively comfortable taking on a reduced role on this team for the betterment of the rest of the guys on the roster. Like, is he willing to do that, or is he just going to come in and be a useless monster where he gets the ball, it's going to be him all the time? Like, and the Hawks don't need that. Hawks don't need more guys with the ball. Like, I thought the Hawks needed that until Trey Young showed that he's ready now. And, like, to me, now the Hawks need – they need tough, physical wing defenders. And that's why yeah. I'm super high on Nazir Little. I get uh, it. Just due to the fact that he has the size, length, and strength to be that type of guy. You could say the same about Hunter, but I really wish – I wish DeAndre Hunter – like <sighs> – like it's hard for me to say he's going to be that level of defender at the next level when he doesn't get blocks or steals. And I know yeah, Virginia I don't think runs, he's going to be. I, I, I understand Virginia runs the type of defense that they run isn't yep. intuitive for those types of stats. It's the it's the at Arizona the same, time, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, I made that excuse for Aaron Gordon. Yep. Aaron Gordon is just an okay defender. No, you're like, right. I mean, I, I do think that Hunter is better than Gordon was. But at the same time, I'm actually with you. Even as someone who likes DeAndre Hunter, I don't project him as a game-changing defender. I think he's going to be very good. I think he's going to be very versatile and someone that would help almost everyone defensively. But I'm kind of with you that his ceiling defensively is not, you know, all defense or defensive player of the year type. He's not that, I don't think. Um, So if that's what you're looking for, I wouldn't necessarily advocate for Hunter. And, and that's someone who I think is higher on Hunter than most. Um, so, I, you know, it, you're kind of splitting hairs a little bit there, but I do think that he doesn't have that super duper impact um, defensive profile that people might assign to him. I'm not assigning that to him. I do think he's very good on that end of the floor, but more of in a hybrid um, versatile way, not in a go out and wreck you kind of way. The, the way all Virginia, you know, basketball players are, you know, very good positioning, you know, 
just knows how to play the game. But Hawks don't need to know how to play the game, guys, on defense. They need they need records on defense. Like, they, they got too many freaking nice guys already. <laughs> that is true. And that's – I mean, the they funny thing is – They need guys who are going to piss the other team off, uh, get really mad – Flop a lot. They they need they need them like coming full circle now. They need Anytime. that market smart type, you know, nasty guy. I don't see that guy in this draft. Even they need, they need, they need Zion. So yeah, uh, that 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 Zion Williamson aside, who is that type of basketball player? Which you again know, is what makes him so incredible as a prospect. You you know who it is in this class, and you're you're gonna recoil when I say this. If you if that's if that's the only requirement that you have in this class, you know you know who that guy is. Who? Brandon Clark. Who's I know, who I know is who I know is 110 years old. I know that he's 35. And that's why I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that he should be a top 10 pick. I'm just telling you that if you wanted that guy, he's that guy in this class. He's the one nasty. He's the one game changing defender outside of Zion. Zion's in a different category. Zion is absurd. He's a game changer in every way. But if you if you just said Brad, pick the game changing defender, non Zion division in this class, it's Brandon Clark. That's all I'm saying. Granted, but the the problem is he's not going to be he's not going to be available when the Hawks pick. If the Hawks are picking in the top eight, he's not going to be worth that investment, and he should be a mid first round pick. So he won't be available when the Hawks come back again. So the two game wreckers defensively are him and Matisse Tybel, and Tybel isn't really that like nasty guy. It's just that he's so freaking long. Like he has like a seven percent steal rate. It's comical. Like some of his defensive numbers are like video game level. Um, at Washington, but uh, that's for that's for another day. I'm just I'm just saying they're really um, I'm kind of I'm kind of just doing your point for you that there really isn't that guy who's like a legitimate game record defensively non Zion division that the Hawks can and, and and to be fair, there usually isn't in the draft like no those guys. Mar- Marcus Smart we kind of knew, but he was that he was a dog. But at the same time, I think it's also revisionist because part of his appeal was his competitiveness, but he wasn't billed as super duper defensive stopper that was part of his profile but it, w- it was more like oh he's got that dog in and he'll go he'll go out and score on you like he was definitely a number one option type in college offensively that didn't work out very well and he's transformed into this you know all-world defender he was already going to be good defensively always but not even marcus smart was billed as marcus smart if that makes sense exactly and th- and that's my point where like you know there's there's a scenario where you know, Colbert ends up being that Paul George type that, you know, we all build Cam Reddish to be. Um, I think, like, Colbert probably is the safest wing option to take in this draft if you want a combination of safety and upside. I agree. Um, I, I just and, think and that's why me, I have him at four. With me personally, <laughs> with me personally, with Colbert, I think it's really just going to come down to his measurables. Like, you know, we we talk back like there's a lot of talk about how tall he actually is, how long he actually is. Like it's really because like if he's six four, six five, eh, sure take him, whatever. You know, seven foot, six, you know, six nine, six ten wingspan, something like that. Yeah, sure. But like if he's taller than that and he's longer, um, then you can project genuine, like genuine superstar upside with him just due to his production. And his measurables. Right now, he's just he, we kind of just don't know. We're going off what he looks like compared to other guys, and he looks taller than the six five that he's listed as. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. But um, 
Oh, I was going to ask. Oh, there's one more thing before we, uh, we've talked a ton about the wings. Um, quickly, two quicker questions. Number one, are there any other, are there any other wings or forwards in that tier for you? Like, are you a Kelton Johnson guy? Are you a Romeo Langford guy? Are you anybody else? Is there anybody else that we haven't talked about that might be in that discussion for you? It's okay if there's not. I just wanted to make, make no, sure we got Keldon, that out there. Keldon's been better um, than even I thought he was. I, I think I think he's been pretty solid overall as a prospect. But you know, to me, he just he doesn't have the measurables. Um, it's like, yeah, you take Keldon Johnson. Well, now you got Kevin Hurd and Keldon Johnson. They're going to fight for that starting two guard spot. Like, yeah. The, like I don't think that really, it doesn't really fit. Like it, it, it it's going to lead to a competition that I don't think is really necessary. Um, not to say like Kevin Hurd, you shouldn't draft somebody just because you have Kevin Hurd. But at the same time, like, you know, I don't know. It, it it's comp- like I, I like I like a lot of what Kelvin Johnson has done recently. Uh, you could probably sell me on him, um, but eh. And then Langford's just a no. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. <laughs> uh, it's just going, a no. We could we could probably leave it there. Go, go, going back to Johnson real quickly, I think he's somebody that comes into play more if the Hawks are picking at like eight or nine with that Dallas pick. If that slides to eight or nine, and the guys we talked about are off the board, and it's kind of a best, a best player available situation. Maybe you already have reddish or you maybe you already have hunter or maybe you have culver maybe not culver is not, not a great example because I don't, I don't think you would want johnson with culver and herder those guys are all a little bit um duplicative but if you had little little or reddish let's just say or hunter one of those three guys maybe you come back with johnson if culver's gone and um that might make some sense in the eight or nine range um because as we've said a number of times you can never have too many wings uh having too many wings is not a thing um everyone knows that we everyone That's needs fair. wings that's fair, and, but I watch this Hawks team, and I want bigger wings. No, I, I'm with you on that. I, I definitely agree I'm, on that. I'm, and, tired, I'm tired. I'm tired of these weak, these weak and short. Like I, I watch Bembry just get bullied in the post. I'm like, Ugh, I don't want that. Then you, you oh, no, just can't I, play a switching defense uh, at all if Bembry can't hold up on the box in the box. So it's like you got to have at least it, one or two of those like legit six eight physical guys and we call them wings, want, but they're more like hybrid I, three fours i want like, the torian prince size but not the torian prince uh, yeah agreed i mean that, that was the theory of torian prince and you know i i bought into it early on um if torian played like his size it, the hawks would have less problems in this area he doesn't rebound he doesn't play physically defensively all that fun stuff but uh yeah it's um i agree like And that's why I stopped myself short of saying that you would want a combination of like Culver and Johnson because those guys both like trend towards being too small. Not too small, but like they're kind of the same size. They're not small, but. But they're all six. I mean, if you have those two guys and Kevin Herter, they're all six, 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 seven. And that doesn't do. Yeah, you want more diversity in your wing talent. Right. Um, Like you just want. And the Hawks, like. You know, with uh, Justin Anderson just being completely unplayable offensively, like <sighs> you know, it's just Torian Prince and Vince Carter. <laughs> you know, they they'll throw him out there at small forward every once in a while, but like the Haw- the Hawks need the Hawks need somebody who can supplant Torian Prince at that small forward position. And uh, to me, the only guy like that's why I have Nazir Little so high for the Hawks in particular because he has the size, strength, athleticism. He is a good rebounder. 
Um, you know, he does play with physicality. He just has to, you know, he has to develop his skill level as a basketball player and really learn how to play, play, uh, play in a modern uh, NBA system, which surprisingly is what he's doing right now in North Carolina, which is why I kind of, I think, I really do think this, this season that he's had at North Carolina will ultimately help him going forward. That's your, uh, those are your guys. So, um, last thing here, and I know, I know we're getting very long, but that's what happens when you and I talk. Um, I know a lot of Hawks fans, I see the comments on Peachtree Hoops and on this podcast and on my Twitter feed, a lot of Hawks fans want a center. Um, I am on record as saying there's not a center in this class that I would even consider taking in the top eight or nine. Um, the only, quote, big that I would take is Zion um, in the top eight. But um, A, do you feel differently than I do about not having a center that high? And B, if I said you have to pick one of these guys and tell me who it is, because... I am still firmly no thank you on any center in the top eight, but maybe you feel differently. And uh, even even if you don't, I want to know who your number one center in this class is. All right, so A is a no. Um, like, I don't like any of these bigs. Uh, if Brandon, <laughs> we are aligned on that. You know, if Brandon Clark was just if he was just twenty one, yeah, sure, take him, whatever. But you know, I, I, I said I said this earlier. If Brandon Clark was twenty, he'd be my number two guy. Yeah, but he's, he's 25 years old. Like, <laughs> and basically, he's doing like to me when you're that old, you have to dominate. Just to he be is a first draft pick. He is dominating, uh, indeed. So that's why he's going to go in the lottery, um, and you know, deservedly so, just to how well he's played this season. But you know, it's not not Brandon Clark, and then you know the other guys probably Jackson Hayes and. Uh, if he could shoot, maybe, but I mean, you have, you, you have Jackson Hayes, you have Jonte Porter, you have Bruno Fernando, Jonte Porter. Fan, fans love for some reason. Um, and uh, Bull Bull, which is not even a thing at this point for me, but here's there's, there's, the there's still some Hawks fans that want Bull Bull. Again, the Hawks don't need a big man. Their big men are all good. That's not why they're losing games. They're not losing games because Alex Lynn buffs every third layup like Alexander is solid Deadman is good like Deadman's good enough John Collins even recently like the Hawks are playing John Collins at center now the problem with those lineups is when John Collins has to switch out on the perimeter they can't grab a defensive rebound so surprise surprise Torian Prince DeAndre Bembry Kent Bazemore aren't good rebounders like that's the problem like the problem is the wings like it, you know you can play John Collins at the five if let's say you had a certain someone named Zion Williamson at the four, uh, now you got you know you got the size, strength, and athleticism to not just get bullied on the glass when John Collins is you know helping you out because you can't get through a screen. He's, don't get me started on these wings. Like we'll stop. We'll good, stop. We'll stop now. I'm just whatever. <laughs> whatever. They're, they're, but no, they, I'm, they, I'm with they, you. They, they've made positive improvements on the season, but to me, they're not good enough, and we we can leave it at that. But not none of these bigs, and then B. If if I had to pick one, it's probably Jackson Hayes, just due to his age and his production level. But I'm not super impressed. Yeah, with just, his just inability to grab a defensive rebound. I, I don't. I'm. I, Brad, if you're a big, if you're if you're a defensive first big man, and you can't, and you're not a very good defensive rebounder, I don't know what we're doing here. 
Like, yeah, I, I you, think you got to be just my like, and I and I and I see what people say about Bam Adebayo. See what they say about Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm like, that's cute. That's cute. They can't grab a defensive rebound. You see it. You see it when they they go up against teams. I saw it with the Hawks. It's not Al Horford's fault. He couldn't grab a defensive rebound. But at certain levels, when you get to those high-level competitions against the elite players in this league, Giannis Antetokounmpo will grab every available competitive rebound on both ends, and you will have no chance to win. Like, you'll just have no chance. If your bigs can't, if your bigs aren't forces on the defensive end, on a defensive rebound, and, and, and you're exclusively a defensive first big man, like like Jaron Jackson, who, you know, he can get stronger and better and all that good stuff. But I, I mean, like... Yeah, I, th- I, think, in, I think in a vacuum... Um... <sighs> Jonte Porter is someone I think is being underrated, but he is not a good fit for the Hawks. Um, let's just say that he's not a, he's not a good Hawks fit. Um, he's a definitely an, he's an like, offense I, first big man. Um, say again. I mean, I I'd take like I trade. No, I mean he would work. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't take him in the top ten. Like it was, uh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I I trade three of my second round picks for him if he's you know. Oh sure. Between I mean, I, eighteen and whatever. I think I would take. Like, I think I would take if you. Yeah, if you if you made me take one of these guys, I'm with you. I think it would be Jackson Hayes. If you want to take a pure center, he would be the one I would take. I wouldn't love it, but I would probably do that if I had to. I'd rather have Clark than all of these guys, and I know that's kind of feeds into my normal thing. And I still wouldn't take Clark at eight or nine. Like if I was picking at thirteen, fourteen, sure. Um, but yeah, it just it just speaks to the fact that I think Hawks fans. It's a very you know you understand this. Fans especially just they look at the starting lineup, they look at the video game, and it's like, oh, the Hawks are playing John Collins at the four, and they have their draft pick at the three, or Torian Prince, and they have Kevin Hur and Trey Young, and now they have to take a center because that's the position that they need. It's one of those things. Like, I get that. Uh, I just wouldn't be in a hurry to a draft a center in the top ten because you can fill that spot. Replaceable re- replaceable level at center is pretty. You can find it. Um, for less, I mean, Dwayne Dedman, for instance, they got for very Man, listen, little money. Listen, the Hawks could give Brook Lopez what two years, however much money he wants, and I mean, got, I mean, he, they'll he, they'll be a playoff team. They'll be a oh sure. I mean, and Dedman's the same. Dedman's been great. Is. Like Dedman's not an all star or anything, but Dwayne Dedman's a starting caliber center. They got him for very little money. It's worked out great. Like you, you don't you don't have to have a twenty two a twenty two year old center. You don't, there's no requirement that the Hawks have to draft a center. They they can find that guy. They can find that guy elsewhere. Would be my and as and as I've said ad nauseum, the Hawks' problem isn't with their big men. It's no, it's not the perimeter defenders. Just even Bembry, they're just not good. Like Bembry, if Bembry were as good as Torian Prince offensively, yes, yes, that that'd be the exact player that the Hawks needed, and a lot of the Hawks' problems would be cleaned up. But he's not. Like he's by far the worst offensive player the Hawks put out on the floor. And they're barely getting away with him. Um, and now Basemore can't shoot. Uh, that's been fun. And <laughs> yeah, it's been the opposite of fun. As someone who loves Kent Basemore, uh, it's not. He's not been very good lately. And that, I've, I've tried to be honest about that and say that a lot because I know people know that I like Kent and I've backed Kent quite a bit. He's been bad for a while, and uh, it's kind of unavoidable. So it's I, it's been really disappointing seeing that he, he. I think he was playing his best basketball of his career before he got hurt. And now it's just the like to me it just feels like he's playing like somebody who who um, you know it's kind of disappointing he's not going to be starting going forward and you know 
is secure in his role and knows that the Hawks really aren't playing for anything at the moment. So it's just like, you know, he's just out there. You know, it's not that he's not playing hard, but, you know, he's he's not playing with the intensity level you would expect uh, Baysmore to play with, um, especially what he was playing with uh, in, like, January before the ankle injury, where he was really bringing it on both ends of the floor. But I would, I would agree, and hopefully he'll get, he'll get that back in the near future. All right, we've gone way too long here, and that's my fault. Um, anything else that you want to get out there? If not, we can uh, shut it down, but people should be following you and following ATL on 29, the new Peachtree Hoops podcast and all that fun stuff, so please plug all that and uh, get everything out there that you want to get out there. Yeah, you can, again, you can follow me at uh, Jonesy2x4 um, on Twitter, and then yeah, I do a podcast with uh, Kevin. I'm, I'm on every about every either week or every two weeks, depending on our schedule, but uh, you know, as you can see, uh, Kevin over at eighteen on twenty nine, he's he's starting to do game recaps and more more uh, regular stuff, just based on you know the demand from Peachtree Hoops. So it, <laughs> it's good that the po- it's good that the podcast is growing a bit, and uh, you know, check out eighteen on twenty nine if you want to hear my opinions and Kevin's more. Yep, follow that, and there's there's plenty of room for uh, for all of us. I'm I'm a listener and a subscriber to that podcast, and Kevin and I exchange ideas and things in in person, and we hang out quite a bit because a lot of the time we're uh, two of a very small media contingent around the Hawks, so we spend a lot of time together. Um, regardless, we'll uh, but uh, thank you for doing this, Tyler. As always, I know we always go long, so I appreciate you giving me all this time, man. No problem. As for everybody else, please stay tuned. I'll be back after the game on Tuesday with a new podcast. Subscribe, and we'll see you guys then.